Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Percat. You are listening to Inside Supercars. All the racing I've done, supercars and, uh, you know, all the GT and drifting and all that kind of stuff, I think it all helps. A lot of seat time and having some good times racing, it's, it's a lot of fun. As long as we don't allow some of the lunatics to um, get the keys, then uh, it'll continue to be at the, um, at the forefront uh, through hard work and diligence, particularly on the part of the team owners and investment by them. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. G'day race fans, Tony Whitlock and Craig Lavelle on Inside Supercars. Evening, Craig. Good evening, Tony. What a week it's been in supercars once again. Yes, we can always expect a very dynamic lead-up to the season and quite possibly one of the most dynamic seasons ahead of us. Uh, interesting to see yet another of the fuel companies uh, joining the, the battle of the uh, oil and fuel wars with uh, Mega on Jason Bright's PRAFGX, joining the Caltex, Mobil, Shell, Penrite, Castrol, just an amazing plethora of oil companies. Yeah, it's a throwback to the 80s, some might say. Indeed, indeed. Interesting probably because uh, um, oil companies needing to identify their brands and they're looking to V8 or to supercars to do that identification, to differentiate themselves mm. from one another. Plenty of movements in the uh, driver. We've got like, nine drivers and there's just still one to be settled with the recent news that unfortunately... Uh, Matt Charter doesn't have, he might have the drive, but he doesn't have the licence. He'll need to uh, start the series. Yeah, an interesting one. And uh, we're going to hear more from Lucas Dumbrell Racing later in the show. Tim Newton is going to be speaking with us. But uh, it's it's going to be a very interesting uh, situation, how that plan plays out. And obviously, Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport has put deals together here. They take a long time to put together. And to have the rug pulled out so close to the beginning of the season is uh, going to be very challenging for them to work through all the potential issues. And I understand Tim Newton's going to be engineering Alex Rollo. Of course, he'll be the youngest ever driver in uh, V8 or in supercars, just eclipsing Paul Dumbrell by a few uh, weeks, months or days. Mm. It's, it is interesting that whenever we have a young driver, we bring up the fact that he's a young driver, but guess what? Some of the best drivers started when they were very, very young, and they've done a lot of racing by the time they get to Alex's age at 16, 17. But we also forget that there's a lot of drivers out there that have started very late, and I always like to use the example that uh, Jackie Stewart started his first motor race at the age of 22. Oh, um, right. Yeah, it's worth uh, reflecting on that. And... Another one is uh, Ned Jarrett. I asked Ned Jarrett, why did you won one championship and you retired from NASCAR? And he said, well, back when NASCAR was starting, we didn't know how long a driver could drive for. And he said, I got to yeah. my early 30s and thought, well, most football's careers are over. I probably can't stay at the top of my game much longer and, uh, and stood down. Yes, indeed. Um, and looking now, we've got uh, that second seat uh, will have to be filled. Um, Andre Heimgartner may well be in the mix for that still, but that'll be settled probably after the test day with uh, 
uh, charter maybe going and driving at the test day. Yeah, and that's the big thing. When we're talking test day, we're talking about this week's test at Winton, not the official test next week at Eastern Creek. So some teams are doing private testing even ahead of the official tyre test at Eastern Creek, which I believe isn't open to the fans and it's being held midweek. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the interesting thing is today there's probably a, a very exciting field of young drivers in new cars. For instance, the first time this year we'll see three brands in what is now known as the Supercars 2 Series, the Dunlop Supercars 2 Series, in uh, Jack LeBrock and Shay Davies driving for Matt White in uh, Nissan Altimas. And that is something that we've all been wondering how long it will take for the Nissans to roll out into the second series. Obviously, teams over the years have used the Dunlop, what is it, Super 2's championship as a, as a way of moving their products on, their, their equipment on and, and giving them a second life. The Nissans now, having been around long enough, they've got enough spares and they've got enough parts to be able to properly service Matthew White Racing. So it's, uh, it's only a natural progression in the life cycle of the cars but it will mean that we will have more top level cars in the second tier which of course leads on to your next point I'm sure the wild cards coming up from the which, super which of course um, will possibly be Jack LeBrock in one of those Nissans um, at Bathurst well at, not it... only at Bathurst but they're talking about any event now where there is not a Dunlop series supporting it, the teams can put in wild cards. So right. uh, you've got a number of races. I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but uh, I think you could find it's Winton, Queensland Raceway, um, and a few others where you will also see wild cards going in. So this is very much part of um, certainly LeBrock's strategy is to get himself in a single driver effort in the main game and to put his, you know, to put his best case forward on how he can perform at that next level up, and I think this is going to be as important as having a full field of quality Dunlop Super Two cars. This opportunity to wild card event to get to your twenty six, twenty seven, maybe even twenty eight. There's potential that if all the wild cards that I'm hearing about, Macaulay Jones is certainly going to be running wild card events um, up in the main game this season. Uh, and there's a couple of others that have been mooted, we could see, you know, a 29-car a grid. Now, that will be very interesting to see how that all gets managed and how the wildcards will pit and work together in that uh, main game field. But I think that could be a real boon because you're going to have drivers who are in the second tier getting first-tier quality seat time ahead of the season of endurance and that and could be huge before adelaide i think we should uh, look through and talk about some of these new young drivers in the dunlop uh, supercars 2 series mm. uh, i think we'd better go to a break now and coming up after break we'll have kevin fitzsimon talking about the new control tire and how the teams will uh, cope with it and the data they'll be getting in order to cope with the new season at the test day join in the conversation post your thoughts on our facebook page and to ask a question Email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, 
Thanks, thanks everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Um, well, welcome back, fans. Uh, we're here to talk with Kevin Fitzsimon, who's a long-time motorsport uh, tyre man. First I knew him was with Bridgestone, but he's been with uh, Dunlop. Good afternoon, Kevin. Good day, Tony. How are you going? I'm well indeed. You've been with Dunlop since 19... Oh, 2000 and... Uh, end of 2001, I so yeah, 15, um, 15 years with Dunlop. I just clocked that little right. anniversary up. Got a and, nice spring, mate. Seen, so of course, good. the... Uh, Control tyre means through. This is now the third contract, I believe. We're in. Yeah, we've uh, we've just extended ours. Um, the current contract we're in at the moment was due to expire at the end of this year, and with the rollout of the new tyre, um, we were able to extend that to the end of 2019. So, um, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been good to take us through to 18 years of supplying tyres. So uh, we'll be up around the 250,000 tyre mark by that stage. It's a fair continuity of tyre supply. It is. Um, it is indeed. Kevin, we wanted to get you on to talk about the new tyre. There's been a a lot of conjecture about what it'll do and some people are suggesting that it's going to make massive changes. Just like to talk through, first of all, uh, the tyre and its uh, construction compared to the previous uh, tyre was used. Yeah, well, the the tyre that we uh, we use, we're um, sort of hamstrung a little bit by the fact that we only use um, an 11-inch wide wheel. So we're restricted on the amount of sizes that we, uh, we've been able to put on the car. So when it was first decided to, to roll out the car of the future and go on to an 18-inch wheel, um, the general consensus at that time was to stick with the similar dimensions to what we had with the old 17-inch tyres. So basically all we had to do was change the plates in the sidewall and the actual tread blocks were exactly the same. So the diameter width, everything else was identical from the 17 to the 18-inch and um, that tyre served us very, very well, but no different to digital cameras and um, mobile phones and golf clubs and everything. Technology moves at a rapid pace, and uh, the um, the chance became available for a, a development phase, and we were asked if we'd, we'd like to do anything, and I, I floated the idea with David Stewart from, from Supercars, and um, we came up with the idea of maybe going up one size, which is the biggest size we could put, which is... Um, uh, a 290, 680, 18, or 675, 18. So, uh, and that's what we've done. So, the tyre itself, um, compared to the old one, is a different shape. It's uh, it's quite flat sidewall to sidewall across the tread face, whereas the tyre we had previously had um, quite a curve on it. And that was um, because the tyre's got to be a steer tyre and a drive tyre um, on the car and everything. It's it's got to do quite a few different things to what a, for example, a GT tyre where you've got a purpose-built steer tyre and a purpose-built drive tyre. Um, and it, it, it's very difficult when we've got the same tyre all around the car. And, and that helps the teams enormously because they're able to swap them around and, and, and do other things with them sort of thing. So it's good to be able to, to move them around the car. And um, so, yeah, so we tested the tyre back in um, uh, 31st of May last year at Queensland Raceway. Uh, we have tests slotted for August um, at Phillip Island and unfortunately we got one lap in and uh, the heavens opened up and didn't stop for the entire day so it was pretty yeah, frustrating. Right. So, uh, but um, we had a really, really good test at Queensland Raceway with um, with Jamie Winkup driving in uh, in one of Red Bull's cars um, 
Triple Eight guys were were fantastic. We had actually approached uh, three other teams that were uh, unavailable at the time to to do the testing um, due to various things, and we were actually slotted in to do the test with Pro Drive Racing Australia at at Winton. But with the resurfacing of Winton, the degradation isn't there, and and it was just not conducive to a, a, a reflective tyre test. So. Um, the, the decision was made then to, to head Queensland direction and uh, yeah, Triple Eight were kind enough to loan us a car and a driver and uh, we tested five different compounds and uh, two constructions and it was incredibly beneficial. It was uh, a really, really good day. So, um, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there thinking that they've got a big leg up now because they've already driven on the tyre, but believe me, uh, uh, Jamie did uh, over 200 laps that day um, on all the tyres in various shapes and forms and... Um, you know, when, when we do the test, um, supercars uh, download all the information. The team only you know, put fuel in the car and we send it back out. We don't make any chassis adjustments to the car from one set to the next or anything else and just come up with a, a, a pretty good package from there. Um, we've since run the tyre again and um, uh, David Stewart from Supercars went over to the USA uh, in January and did some extensive laboratory testing over there, which is... Um, um, built it out some, some data for the teams, which is astonishing. It's uh, a massive file. It's over 100 gig. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's in, enormous. And uh, the teams are going to have a, a real leg up this year sort of thing, and, and it'll be quite beneficial for everybody. So I'm really looking forward to this season. Kevin, right, you right. mentioned that technology moves on. Can you explain, because most people think it's round, black and rubber, what sort of technology is now incorporated in the tyre that wasn't in the, ne- in the last generation? Yeah, the, um, the, the all sorts of different things. I mean, it's the um, the Kevlar overlay and the 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 quality of the steel, the material that um, goes over the steel belts and the the adhesion, and just there's more and more computer science goes into the design of a of a tire and the the load it can put up with um, turning and cornering and braking and accelerating and all the bits and pieces, and they can just refine the art, but it's just something that's continually evolving and. Um, the evolution of silica in tyres and things like that, you know, which is you know, all the manufacturers are chasing for the lowering fuel economy. You reduce the rolling resistance of the tyres sort of thing and improves your fuel economy, which is you know, a big plus nowadays. It all rolls into race tyres as well. It all helps with the wet weather tyre performance and um, all sorts of things. So there's there's lots of little things. Some of it's chemical, whether it be you know, the, the, the sulphur and things that are in amongst the tyre. Um, our tyre is still very much a natural rubber product. And that gives us the broad range of being able to work um, in cold conditions at some tracks that we may experience uh, in the winter months to the heat of Darwin, uh, where you can have, you know, 55, 60 degree track temperature. So you need to keep that variance in it with a synthetic tyre that's a bit harder to control. So, um, you know, you don't, you don't have a bigger window. We've got a very, very big window in the working range. And the new tyre um, has shown that as well. Um, the degradation won't be as graphic as it, what it was beforehand. It will still wear out. It's what it's designed to do sort of thing. And it's that type of scenario that you need the, the thickness of the rubber in the tread to generate the, the heat where the heat gives you the grip. And as the tread wears down, um, the, uh, the the heat dissipates. And as soon as you lose the heat, you lose grip. So the car slides more and the more it slides, it, it wears the tyre. So it's all sort of part of the, the process um, the race format distances now are, are set um, for, for what we're doing and, and um, you know, the, the racing last year, the, the first half of the year was astonishing with the amount of different winners we had and everything. And, and this year is going to be a massive learning curve for everybody because all the engineering guys are going to have to uh, 
uh, be on, on top of the, the change. And it is a significant change. At the end of the day, it's the only thing that connects you to the road. So uh, um, it's, it's, it's going to be a real challenge for everybody involved. But there's just, you know, whether it be us or the teams and the drivers have got to learn what they can do and can't do. And this uh, evaluation day we're having at um, Sydney Motorsport Park on the 21st of uh, February is going to be uh, extremely important to uh, be able to hit the ground in Adelaide running, you know, and uh, and, and be on top of uh, the niggly little things uh, as the thing rolls out of the truck. One of the things that's unique about our category and has been for many years is that small tyre. That will remain... The same sort of thing that the driving characteristics will remain with that makes it difficult for overseas drivers initially to just get up to speed. Is that that will remain with this new tyre? Yeah, well, I think that this new tyre is a lot stiffer. In it, it's um, if you imagine um, pushing down on top of the tyre and everything else like that, the old tyre, the sidewall would be able to flex quite a bit. It was quite forgiving and quite soft. Um, and so that would give it the, the decent brake seal and everything, but it would hurt the car um, in what the, the teams call mid-corner speed. You couldn't lean on the tyre going into a corner. The new construction is significantly stiffer um, vertically, and the teams will be able to lean on it a lot more. It's actually giving good brake performance, but it's because it's a wider and a flatter footprint on the road, uh, and the shape of the tyre, they can reduce the camber, which puts more rubber on the road as opposed to the... Um, now, we used to run sort of anything upwards of seven and a half, eight degrees of camber at some tracks. So the footprint of the tyre on the road is, was actually quite small. So this um, change going to a flatter surface tyre, etc., will put more rubber on the road, both for drive and for braking, and the stiffer case will help at mid-corner. So the guys will really be able to lean on it a lot more. So it, it should actually um, enhance the show a little bit. The, the guys should be confident that they can fire the car down the inside of somebody and turn in hard on the corner on the brakes and not worry about understeering past the front of them like they used to um, on the older tyre sort of thing. So I think it'll improve the show. It'll certainly help anybody that's coming from overseas that has GT or open-wheeler experience, uh, whether that be Simona or a, uh, a driver coming into the, the Pertec Enduro Cup. Um, it will be more like what they're used to with a, um, a, a dedicated steer and drive tyre and that it, it's, um, it's been quite impressive the way it's, uh, it's unfolded. One of the things that uh, was introduced, I think it was two years ago, was the minimum tyre pressure. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Um, and yep. will that uh, remain the same with this new tyre? Um, we'll actually lift it up one pound, so it'll go from 17 to 18 psi. Um, the teams um, with the older tyre, they used to, if you know what a speedway tyre and a drag tyre sort of does where it winds the case up to get drive, they found that doing that with the... Uh, the soft tyre previously and everything else. So that gave them the real good drive and once again changed the shape of the tyre um, to flatten it out a bit because it squashed the inside sidewall um, to put more rubber on the road. So they found that that was giving them the longevity. That tyre was initially only designed to last around about um, 80 kilometres or thereabouts, 80 to 100. Um, they were finding that they could get to 120, 150 kilometres on the thing with um, reducing the pressure. The problem there is it was putting massive load on the inside shoulder and if the teams got too greedy, um, it would actually tear the inner liner and create a failure. And that's right. what happened. Um, and then yeah. that's yeah, that's that's the thing. It actually created a problem, and we we had to we had to make a bit of a stand on it because it it came off that you know the tire wasn't up to the job. But we um, had a recommended pressures, and we had guys that were running um, way lower than what the minimum pressure was. And the problem being that they they, they do the pressures. Um, 
in the garage and things like that, and then they'll sit the tyre out in the sun and then bleed the tyre back to the minimum pressure again. So the actual volume of air in it's massively reduced, and therefore it was creating overloading issues, and the tyre failed because of it. So um, we introduced the minimum pressure, and touch wood, we haven't uh, had too many dramas since, so uh, it's been very good. The, the tyre's not bulletproof. You can still kill it with, with setup or overdriving on it and everything else, but it alleviates um, some other issues that we did have. So, Kevin, have you been happy that they've gone back to putting the, the tyre pressure sensors in the cars? Oh, the, um, the pressure sensors is a godsend. It's just, you know, you, you need to sort of be on top of monitoring it, but using it as a, as a setup tool and, and things like that because we have all sorts of different things now where um, um, the teams, back in the older days, you know, 20 years ago and stuff like that, we used to come roaring into pit lane and sort of like flat out, sort of jump under the car with a pyrometer and measure the tyre temperatures or even when we were testing, we'd do it on the track and everything. You go to a test day nowadays, it's like a race meeting. There's, you know, whether it be the, the, the Dunlop Super 2 Series cars there or whether it be... Um, uh, the, the main championship cars, there you know, could be sort of 20 cars running around on the track, so you can't actually do that anymore. So the 40 kilometre an hour speed limit in pit lane and everything, you lose the actual accuracy to a certain point. Now, if you can get them um, at the very entry of pit lane, then, yeah, it's it's beneficial on everything. But this other, the tyre pressure sensors, um, from the point of view of picking up a puncture, we've had it successfully work a few times. Um, it's... You know, no different to most technology and stuff like that. There is a slight delay. It's only a few seconds and everything, which can be critical in a rapid deceleration of, of the air or de- you know, de- depressurisation of the air. Um, but, you know, it's it's really, really interesting to watch how the tyre temperature reacts. The sensors we run give internal tyre temperature as well as the pressure. Um, it's a live feed back to all the teams on their individual one and then supercars have a, a technical hub now that they uh, can pull the data out of every car as they're running around the track and we can lay the whole lot of them down there together and see whose pressures are doing what, how quick they build up after a pit stop, what they're doing under a safety car, um, lots and lots of different things, especially when they're following close behind another car, how some cars, the temperatures go through the roof and you know, some drivers are incredibly hard on their front tyre and the temperatures are... You know, we're seeing temperatures of 145 degrees. It's quite incredible, you know. So, uh, and it's, it's the internal temperature of the tyre. So um, it, it can be a very, very useful tool, but you can also confuse yourself with it. So you just got to uh, know it's there, know how to use it uh, when it's needed sort of thing and uh, and go from there. But it has definitely uh, been a positive for the category, that's for sure. And with the hub, uh, Kevin... Does that mean that if they have a supercar uh, safety car on the track and they start to see the tyres are dropping, you know, right down, can they make the call to tell the safety car or to tell the officials, hey, we need to let all these guys get some more temperature in their tyres before we let them go? Yeah, they they always want to go quicker. And I mean, our, our cars are so heavy, they generate temperature pretty quickly. And especially with braking and accelerating, they do carry a lot of temperature uh, in the wheel through the, the uprights because it's enclosed in a mud garden as well. So they don't drop massively in temperature. You'll get guys that will get um, pick up on the tyre and stuff like that. So once again, that's where it's really, really handy for the team guys because the teams, sometimes if they drive around off the racing line, they get a lot of pick up on the tyre and it feels like a flat tyre. And as I mentioned before, with the way that testing is nowadays, you know, test day is so precious, you don't get to experiment, especially with a young driver coming on, doing oddball things, you know, like... Um, changing, coming in and making like you've got a puncture on a front tyre, you just change one tyre on the front of the car and send them back out again. So they've got a massive different braking performance between a stone-cold tyre on one side of the front 
and a, um, a really hot tyre that's been at its working temperature and pressure on the other. And they quite often will go out and flat spot the new tyre straight away again because they're not used to that feel. But also, back in the older days again, we used to be able to let the air out of a tyre and get the feel of what a flat tyre feels like and all that sort of stuff, which wastes a couple of laps, it wastes the tyre. Um, you don't get a chance to actually duplicate it out now. The benefit of the tyre pressure monitoring system is they get the feeling, especially after a safety car, that, hey, I think I've got a puncture, and they can look at the data straight away and see it, that, no, we haven't, You're, you know, everything's OK, it's just pick up on the tyre, press on sort of thing. So um, it can have massive benefits from that if you're watching the screen and most of the teams have got it with one of their, their, their um, data gurus are sitting there looking at all sorts of different things but it's it's sitting there in plain view sort of for everybody to see sort of thing so uh, and, and if it if it is start dropping pressure and everything it actually lights up red so it, it flags that you've got an issue so um, it can be a very very useful tool at all and it, there's a lot of road cars coming with it now as a, as a standard option in your car it tells you whether you've got a tyre going down or not so uh, it's a, a great innovation. Given the uh, length of time you've in, been involved in uh, motorsport and tyres, Kevin, you'd well know the adage that cream rises to the top usually. Yep. Do you think we're going to see with this new tyre a different flavour of cream? Oh, maybe. I mean, if you take the first half of last year, um, the first half of the season, that it was it was incredible. But, I mean, we've got lots of new challenges. We've got um, drivers changing teams. We've got teams changing model of car with the GRM example um, and, and bits and pieces. But, you know, you, you look at the teams that are settled and can hopefully get a bit of a handle on things. And, yeah, but I, I think this will be... Um, it'll be the type of thing that, you know, the, the bigger teams... Um, will you know get a handle on it a little bit quicker but it will certainly benefit the teams at the back part of the field because the tire is much more forgiving and much more you can race on it much more for example and and push on much more you don't have to nurse the car and that type of thing so i think that will really really help especially the young rookie drivers that are coming into the series this year and that helps them actually it'll feel like a race car not like a big marshmallow you know it's um um it, it's going to be really really interesting but yeah you, you probably will see um, certain times. I don't think we're going to see dominance. I think you'll see different guys come up at, at, at different times and everything and different tracks suit different cars. No, no different to what it did last year sort of thing. But um, it'll be, um, you know, if somebody can get a handle on it quicker than somebody else, then, then that'll be great. But the thing is, they've all got the same amount of data. They're all going to have the same amount of laps to, to get up to speed. Um, the test days are restricted. So, um, you know, if somebody's doing a better job than, than, than one of the other guys, um, kudos to them. But I don't think it's going to be a massive gap between between teams during the season. Well, maybe, Kevin, it'd be, uh, if we could uh, schedule to talk to you briefly um, after that uh, February 21st test, just to see what you've learned and uh, any feedback you're getting on uh, how things have been uh, coming along with the new tyre. Yeah, absolutely, any time. And coming up after the break, Tim Newton from Lucas Umbrella Motorsport will be talking about the changes from this year, from last year to this year, and we'll be looking at uh, how they're going to cope with uh, a new season. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Grand Prix and I just remind myself... 
of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to the show. Tim Newton is now on the line here. The lead engineer at Lucas Umbrell Motorsport for the 62 that Alex Rollo will be driving this year. Tim, where did your love of motorsport come from? My love of motorsport, well, good to be talking to you. Um, love of motorsport, that's a pretty easy one. It has to be Nigel Mansell, the tyre blowout at Adelaide. Um, that's when Formula One was a mystery to me, and so we sort of sat there as a kid and saw that I thought that was pretty amazing so that was where it sort of ignited the spark and then became a bit of a Jean Lacey fan after that so that was the the Ferrari and the number 27 so that was probably where it all started to be honest just a um, bit of a race fan as a kid watching the F1s. So was that something that you did as a family with parents and, and other friends? I, um, I did it with my siblings but um, we actually didn't have much of a mechanical mechanical family my dad um he was uh you know he was handy around the house but he i didn't really understand what an engineer did and um automotive was sort of a bit of a mystery so yeah no the the passion came first and then the the technical side of it sort of kicked in after that so yeah so how did you get started on down the track that you're now engineering a supercar yeah well um it's been a long time it's been um Easily 15 years since I um, wandered into a, a mechanical workshop that was running a, a few improved production RX-7s. So I was I was engaged. Uh, well, I was engaged. I was I started university as a mechanical engineer, and after a couple of years, I realised I wasn't really that engaged with the actual engineering. It was um, it was a lot of textbooks learning. So I I. Uh, plucked myself up full of bravado and wandered in and said, I'd like to help out with your race cars. And, um, of course, with a bit of free labour, that wasn't too hard to twist their arms. So I got got cracking on, um, you know, just a few minor design roles. And then from there, we would go to the track and, you know, just do all the basics. Mm. So but you, you studied mechanical started, engineering yeah. and then yep. started to put it into practice. And that probably gave you a bit more of an inkling of what you were doing all the theory for. Yeah, exactly. One thing, you know, helped out the other, really. So I I could see what I was doing it, you know, a bit of a visual learner as it is. So I could I could see, I could add the carrot, so I'd push harder at uni and it all made more sense and, and became, um, well, I was lucky enough that it, the, the engineering came to me a lot quicker than, than anyone else who was just sort of doing the theory-based stuff. So, yeah, no, I was lucky in that regard. So what was the first paying job? First paying job. Oh, that's a difficult one. Well, that always that did morph into being paid. But um, I would say that when Les Small took me up to Paul Morris Motorsports in 20, 2017, um, 2016, 2017, that was when, um, yeah, the pressure started, the reality kicked in that, um, yeah, there was, there was responsibility there. So that was design engineer and data engineer at the track under Les. So that was unbelievable experience that was probably one of the most cherished times of my life i would i would have to say sorry is that 2006 2007 uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> look who's been doing a setup sheet for 2017 or that yep 
<laughs> Time flies, you know that. It does indeed, yeah. What's <laughs> you talking about Lucas number on motorsport? The controversy has been around this week, but your role with Alex and, and trying yeah. to coach him and mentor him into uh, becoming a full-time main game driver. What's your expectation for the team and, and for Alex this year? Look, I'm, I mean, there's expectation. I, I've got expectations. Um, I think he's he's probably got what it takes, and he's have actually has the experience. And the few chats that I've had with him, these these kids start so awfully young, and the professionalism starts at at twelve and fourteen in the carts these days. Um, they're they're so used to the competitiveness, the rules, the cutthroat that um, he's he's probably ready to go, and so. For me, it's just building that consistency and being being um, at at the edge, but not expecting too much um, from him in terms of even his work life balance. I mean, I think it's very important when you get your ears boxed in week in week out that you've got um, you've just got a few level heads around you. So I don't. I think technically he'll be ready to go, and, and um, we'll have the car ready to go. They've proven they've um, they've got a good car here at LDM, so. Looking forward to that. How do you think your roles evolved between what you were doing last year and even what you were doing at Paul Morris Motorsport to 2017? Yeah, so always it's always a step up. Whether you're um, with your data engineer, then race engineer, team manager, team leader, all those sorts of various roles, it's always a step up and you always really want more from yourself. So the evolution, I think, comes in... Um, more the observation. You observe everyone around you a bit more. Um, you, you're looking for more outside influences that can give you the edge. So race engineer, um, for me, it's yeah, combining all those sorts of things and um, all those different observations from other other motorsports, other, other sports in general, really. So mm-hmm. any technique that can give you an edge is, is where the um, evolution comes from. As an engineer, how are you looking at what is going to be a fairly significant change, and that is the tyre construction. How have you prepared yourself going into this test for what that's going to mean? Yeah, so on a technical level, um, there's all your various mathematical models that you put together. So uh, we're, at the, we're at the start of that. I won't lie to you. We've got the tyre data pretty late, um, has just supplied us with all that sort of thing. So the test will be a little bit old school. Um, every team will go out there. It'll be very exciting to watch. There'll be um, a full canvas sweep front and rear for every every car and the two and three, four car teams. They'll have an advantage there right at the get-go. But it'll be engineering smarts and it'll be man on man and the drivers will have to be um, on their A game. So it's a bit of preparation in terms of um, how do we how do we best suck that information out of the out of the blokes and um, yeah processes for the data engineers the pressure will be on it'll be a big day. How do you map out a plan for a day because there are so many variables but there's things that you have to go through in a systematic and a very structured way. Yep. So we'll we'll time it out to the five minutes. So um, we'll essentially we'll have our rollouts. We'll go through our tyre. Um, we'll go through our tyre process with one set and then we'll probably um, roll through all the other sets. So we'll use up the three sets of softs and then the three sets of super softs. We'll, um, we'll, we'll put together a, 
an array, if you like, of um, essentially Canva versus runtime, and um, we'll try and just build that build that model um, of new data. Uh, we we sort of have an idea what our what our settings will do from the previous tire. We can get a we can get an aspect, but we'll just arrow in as best we can with just a full sweep of all the settings. And so that'll just be in and out, in and out, in and out, and just make sure we get accurate, good data and good feedback from the drivers. Mm. I'm interested that you're focusing uh, at the moment so heavily on camber and and tyre because I would have thought with the new construction there'd be a big question over damper as well. Oh, yeah, look, your spring rate and your damper combination, that's always going to play a big part in it. But the, the one thing that we've found over over the years now is your tire pressure your camber um how how long can you hold that tire on the on the car for so that that inner edge is is really quite where it's at um so we can just focus down we'll get we'll get to the weight transfer and the and the um spring balance as we as we go but we can't do anything until we've got that sort of uh, for want of a better term steady state Mm-hmm. Um, camber type characteristic. Mm-hmm. So, in 2017 for Lucas and Bell Motorsport, do you think the biggest challenge is going to be technical, or is it actually going to be um, is it going to be team and uh, personnel driven, where the challenge is going to come from? Yeah, I can't I can't say it won't be um, team for us. We've we've come to these a few deals late in the day, which which is exciting. I mean, I wasn't a part of this team, you know six weeks ago. So we started talking and Lucas convinced me and I'm convinced. So we're up for it. Um, we've got, we're a little behind the eight ball, um, but that's a good thing in a way because we've got the freedoms to, to choose our destiny. We're not set in stone. We're not, we're not doing things that we've done for the last three or four years. So, well, from my perspective, I'm not. So I've got a bit of a fresh, fresh sheet approach to it. So that's enthusiastic. For me, exciting. The boys are the boys are out there doing their pit stop practice and training. Um, we've got a good bunch of uh, mechanics. I think we're really looking forward to it. Having these um, young blokes in the cars working together that's a that's a competitive advantage that we might have over the field. So you know, really eyes forward, eyes forward to the second half and the enduro season, uh, and then Generation Two, 2018. It's certainly a lot of challenges ahead, and we're looking forward to seeing LDM out on the track. And of course, going to Clipsal, where there's absolutely no pressure because uh, your the team was on the top step of the podium by the end of the weekend. Oh, absolutely! Like anything can happen, and anything can happen any any number of ways. But we'll go we'll go to um, Adelaide. We'll try and keep our noses clean and and just get around that obstacle course as best as we can. Um, but I think we'll, everyone will be a little surprised. We'll be pacey enough. Mm. Well, Tim Newton from Lucas and Brill Motorsport, pleasure to have you on the show and thanks for giving us your time today. My pleasure. Good to hear from uh, Tim Newton and Craig talking. Coming up after the break, final thoughts. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as best of the cars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first. 
first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. Hi, I'm Dale Wood, and you're listening to Supercars Today. Welcome back. Craig, your final thoughts? My final thought is, as the season grows closer and closer, how every year we say the season is getting bigger, it's becoming more challenging. But one thing that I did capture, or that did capture my interest, was the new marketing campaign. Obviously, Delta Goodrum's coming on to be a brand ambassador, but the advertisement they posted online which has certainly turned a few eyes in the advertising world, has certainly tried to look at a different type of redhead, and that is the, you know, the upward mobile professional, lawyers, doctors. There was a ballerina even in the ad and trying to say that change your perception on what motor racing is because supercars don't just deliver motor racing, they deliver you know, that world of excitement and that suspense. So I'm going to be fascinated to see if this is the first of a series or this is a a step in a different direction that gets cut off before it's time to flourish. But, uh, Tony, you being an advertising man would uh, know more about those sort of machinations than I. It's interesting. Uh, it's a bit of the old expect the unexpected sort of thing with it. Uh, and, and reflecting back on, say, in the days when pink was spruiking the wares of V8s, it's quite a contrast. Um, yeah, look, it will be uh, a fascinating season, there's no doubt about it, um, as uh, supercars moves ever closer towards a change, possibly, in the basic uh, premise of the car category. That is no longer just Ford's Holdens and four doors, but now much more new things. M- more engine variety. There's plenty to look forward to in this season and I hope that you'll all tune in next week. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Supercars.